Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, a safe place for women who have been hurt to heal and grow. This is the first episode of this podcast. And in this episode, I introduce myself, the host of the show, Sandy J. And I explore my journey through an abusive relationship and what this looked like for me and for my children. Caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. If you are in immediate danger, please stop listening now and call the police. In episode one, I have a look at that overarching question women like me ask themselves. How did I get here and is this really my life? In this episode, I have read from a script I wrote. So it might sound a bit wooden at times, but I didn't want to stumble because retelling my story is still really tough and traumatic for me to share. Fear plays a very valid part in helping us to protect ourselves. When this type of fear rises up in us, it stimulates hormones in our brain which flood us with the fight or flight or freeze. I don't response. know what possessed me to do this. That is a dang good question. No one has actually ever asked me that before and I have no idea. Hold on a second. Let me think. Um, looking back now, I wish I would have fought harder for myself. Much as we would like to believe that in a crisis the police would be on our doorstep within a matter of minutes, that is unfortunately not the reason always you may the be case. experiencing anxiety is because you are thinking of a threat or something going wrong in the future rather than right now. No regrets. And then when I was sitting there a couple of hours, I realized that, wow, this is amazing. Many of the fears we face, we have the opportunity to face the fear and do the thing we fear anyway. We were terrible <laughs> to begin with, but we didn't care. We were having so much fun fumbling and bumbling along together. And over time, we noticed we were getting a little better. The safety plan is there for you when you can access now, it. Now, here's the all-important one, the one that women often I neglect. I cannot emphasise strongly enough how important this is to overcoming any and all challenges so we face in So, I think life. that other, like, motivator for you and I is to let people know that it's okay to feel those feelings. Like, whatever has happened to you, you have the right to feel... It's taken me a long time to get this message. A lot of self-talk and reminders from my counsellor that I was okay now. <laughs> I really struggled to say this. I am okay now. If you're anything like me, you might feel like Alice in Wonderland where you're taken down a rabbit hole and you're scared and confused about what you find you need to deal with. And you're not quite sure how you got there. And you wonder, I wish that this was only a dream. 
Yet the control and coercion, which is part and parcel of an abusive relationship, is a reality which as many as one in three women have experienced at some time in their lives. The effects of this abuse can have wide-reaching, long-term impacts on women, their children, their non-immediate family members, their friendships, their work lives, their financial stability, their physical and mental health, the drain on resources within professional support sectors like the police and the courts, and the list goes on and on. I want you to know that there is a way forward. I want you to know that there can be a light at the end of the tunnel. There has been for me and for many other women who have experienced abuse. I am now five years on from when I broke the cycle of abuse. Each year that has passed, I have grown stronger and I have taken some really positive steps towards healing. Self-care is now finally at the top of my list of priorities. Many women like me will have lost their voice because they have become disempowered by the person exerting control over them. After years of being in and out of what I call a revolving door relationship where I would ask my ex to leave because his drug addiction fueled his abusive behaviours, he would acquiesce and then no sooner had he left than he would begin wearing me down until I was so exhausted and disillusioned that I would finally relent after he had made another of his promises to stop taking drugs and get his life back on track. In that moment of weakness, I tried to believe his promise and think that this time might be the time where he is being sincere and is committing to doing the hard yards to cut ties to his drug mates and to get on with recreating a life with me and the kids drug free. These promises were always short-lived. Even in the times he went into rehab, he never managed to last the distance. And I know that the reason why this is the case is that I was the one that wanted him to stop taking drugs, not him. He never wanted to own any of his issues. Everything was always somebody else's fault. I couldn't trust him on any level. As much as I loved him, my love was not strong enough to motivate him to clean his life up. As much as I wanted him to change, not only for my sake and for the children's sake, at the heart of it, I wanted him to change so that he could regain control of his life and start living to his potential. That same potential that I saw in him when we met. He had tons of charisma. He was entertaining and very, very clever. And it broke my heart to see him squandering his life on a drug addiction. He wasn't a drug addict when we started our relationship. That evolved and cemented itself when we had our first child. But there were already signs that he was a stalker at the beginning. And I just didn't see the danger in it at the time. Hearing him confess that he had been watching me made me feel uneasy and squeamish inside, but I couldn't see the red flag. 
I couldn't see that this was just a sign of controlling behavior. And as strong a person as I like to think that I am, I tend to be submissive to my partner in a relationship. This is fine when you are in a relationship where there is mutual respect and care and trust, but it is not at all a good character trait to have with someone who is co controlling and coercive. I was an easy target for someone who was prone to use and abuse people. I remember my ex used to say to me often, you deserve someone better than me. When he would say this to me, I would think that he was expressing a feeling of low self-esteem. When in actual fact, he was telling me that he was not treating me right and never would. It took me a long time to wake up to this. I held on to hope for a long, long time that he would change. I hoped for change for the sake of his children. I wanted them to have their dad in their lives playing an active part in their upbringing. But the times that he was around, he was not able to provide his children with good role modeling. He would either be high or come crashing down from his high. When he was high, he was supercharged with energy and would goof around making the kids laugh. They loved it. He was great at the fun times. He was an all care and no responsibility kind of guy. Basically, when he was around, it was like having another child to look after, except this child was big and strong and capable and had a big drug problem, which took us all on a downward spiral. When he was down, he was down for days on end. It wasn't sustainable in any way, shape or form. Although he was physically forceful with me sometimes when we were arguing and sometimes he would handle me roughly, he never punched me. Most of the harmful things he did were related to emotional, financial, psychological, technological abuse, stalking and stealing. I didn't know my rights and I didn't know whether there was anything I could do to stop him from doing the things he was doing to me. I didn't know who I could turn to for help and I didn't know who I could trust. I didn't know that many of the things he was doing were chargeable offences. I knew that I desperately wanted to feel safe and secure in my own home, but I did not know that this was my right. And right from the get-go, he displayed tendencies to be over-the-top jealous with me when we were out in public together. He would literally tell guys who were just passing by giving me a look up and down to F off and to get their eyes off me. In these moments, I would wish that the ground would swallow me up. I was so embarrassed. He would accuse me of having affairs with any guy I had a conversation with. I would feel so confused about why he would think that of me. I thought he knew my values and that I would not be unfaithful to him. It didn't sink in for a long time that the reason he was accusing me of having affairs is because this is what he was doing behind my back. 
As time passed, things didn't get better as I hoped they would. And after moving house to a new area near the beach with about an hour's drive between him and his drug contacts, I hoped and I prayed that this would be a new chapter for us. But he lied to me about making the house and car repayments and within a year we lost both. The equity in the house was mine and it was all gone. This was a very traumatic time. Within the space of a month, I had gone from living in my dream house to renting a tiny two-bedroom house and trying to cram our belongings into it. This is a very costly lesson for me to learn that I should not have entrusted my ex to manage the finances. He had managed to make new drug contacts in a very short space of time after moving to the new area and every dollar he earned went to his drug habit. I was always nervous when going to the supermarket, not knowing whether he had drawn out money from my account without me knowing and leaving me with insufficient funds to buy groceries. Things got so bad that I would sleep with my purse under my pillow to try and prevent him from stealing from me in my sleep. It didn't matter how many times I changed my PIN number or passwords on my account. He described himself as a one-man CIA and he was always miles ahead of me and I was always in a state of damage control. I would try and get myself a couple of steps ahead of him to try and protect myself and the kids, but he would catch up and get ahead of the game within no time at all. What this equaled for me is a constant state of anxiety. I had no peace in my life. With no peace, I could not enjoy any aspect of my life. I was always on edge, always on my guard, always fearful of what would come next. I was scared and he knew this and he used it to his advantage. I know now that it took immense courage for me to try and navigate the constant pressures of this relationship. I was terrified of speaking to anyone official about what was happening because of the repercussions I knew I would have to deal with if I did. I knew that things would get worse. I was already worn out, worn down and exhausted. I had no idea where the energy would come from for me to be able to do any more than what I was already doing. But I just couldn't take more of the same. I needed for it all to stop. I wanted my life back. I wanted a life without trauma for my children. So I took myself off to the police station with trembling hands and a trembling voice and asked them for help. The next step, which was even more difficult, was asking for an application for a restraining order against my ex. I remember sitting in the waiting room of the courts and having my ex leer at me with his death stare and mouth obscenities to me. I was petrified. Thankfully, I was taken to a safe waiting room so I did not have to look at my ex while I was waiting for my application to be heard. I wish that I could say that this was the end of it, but it wasn't. 
when I did start speaking up and asking for help from the police and the courts, an untenable situation of persistent gaslighting resulted in things escalating to the point where things became life-threatening for me and the children. Up until this time, I thought he should be the one to stay away from us and leave us alone. And by rights, he should have, but that wasn't happening. It was like he was ticking off every term on the restraining order and going against it. I thought the children and I should be able to stay in our home, stay in our community, that the children should be able to stay in their school and I should be able to stay in my job. But we were like sitting ducks as long as we stayed. We went into hiding five times over this period where our physical safety was at risk. In my case, the police were unable to obtain sufficient evidence to prosecute my ex for any of the more serious offences. But the police were able to remand my ex for some lesser breaches and stalking related charges. My ex was remanded without bail and this gave the children and I an opportunity to flee. We left our family and our friends behind in a terrified and traumatised state. We moved to a new area far away from all that we knew and held dear. This first move only lasted seven months because my ex tracked us down. Thankfully, the second relocation has seen us turn a corner. After my ex did two terms in jail for offences against us, it appears that he finally understands the need for him to abide by the restraining order. I fought hard to get an indefinite restraining order against him to enable the children and I to heal from the traumas we went through and to allow us to use our energy to build a new life for ourselves without the worry of needing to go back to the courts to reapply for extensions to the restraining order. We are free to rebuild without the worry of him sabotaging our lives. We are now five years on from the time we first fled. Each year that passed, we have grown stronger and we have taken some really positive steps towards healing. When we fled, I started to get the support that I really needed when I was at rock bottom financially and on every other foreseeable level. I was linked into family violence support services and received ongoing counselling with a clinical psychologist, with my sessions being subsidised by the Victims of Crime Tribunal. I received support from charitable organisations and from the children's new primary school in the form of supplying the children with their uniforms and stationary supplies and a godsend of the school waiving the school fees. Because I had lost everything, I had to find a whole new level of humility and was able to accept all offers of assistance with heartfelt gratitude. We were cast adrift because of the situation and to make a clean break I assumed a new name in an endeavour not to be found. The children also adopted this new surname. Can you imagine how difficult this was for them to have to try and answer to their new surname in their new school? 
when they were all in a frightened, traumatised state, worrying that their dad would get out of jail and come after us again. The children also received support from the Family Violence Support Social Workers and from the Wellbeing Counsellor who was available for them to see at their school when they needed some extra support. The Family Violence Support Social Worker had the difficult job of having to instil some skills in the children for them to try and process what they had been through plus try and teach them a bit about how to stay safe. The kids weren't keen to continue with any more than the basic level of support from the Family Violence Agency we were connected with because it was really heavy going for young children to have to deal with. The counsellor at the school took a different tack with the kids and played games with them during their sessions. This was fun for them and helped to take some of the stress off them that they were feeling because of the enormous dysfunction in their lives to that point. My path with counselling looked quite different to the children's. For me, tapping into counselling support was the beginning of my understanding of the impacts my situation had on my mental health. It took almost three years to receive a diagnosis of PTSD. The more I understood the effects of long-term abuse on me, the more I have been able to really engage with my healing and the kinder I can be to myself in the process. Once I understood and acknowledged that this disorder might be a part of my life indefinitely, this is when I could focus on the things which were in my control and set to cultivating skills and strategies to improve the quality of my life. Slowly but surely, I've been able to fully engage with joyous moments. For such a long time, the feelings of anxiety would override any good feeling I had and make it feel completely insignificant. I was so wired to everything being overwhelming and worrying that it got in the way of the good times when I was starting to experience those good times again in my life. I am so, so thankful that I had an awareness that this is what was happening as this enabled me to seek out ways to overcome this. I was so glad to have my life back on the right track, but it took a lot of convincing with a lot of self-talk and reminders from my counsellor that I was okay now. <laughs> I really struggled to say this. I am okay now. And again, I am okay now. My brain had been wired to be hypervigilant, always looking over my shoulder, waiting and wondering when my ex would turn up and do something else to us. Even though time passed, which gave me evidence that my ex was leaving us alone, I still lived with the worry. So every birthday, every Christmas, every anniversary, I would worry that this would be a trigger and I would not be able to fully immerse myself in the experience of any celebration because of my fears. As time has passed, I have grown stronger and stronger. And now when those celebratory days come up, the worry is a passing thought and I am able to be present 
in those moments that I have longed to be fully part of. Along the way, many people I encountered encouraged me to use my communication skills to reach out to women. I know what it is like to feel alone and scared and not know where to turn to for help. This is why I have created this podcast. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. That's why I'm using my voice to try and connect with women like me, to give them a safe place to listen to interviews with industry experts and all sorts of people with experience in helping families with the complex and challenging issues they face in these dysfunctional relationships. I know that the solutions that worked for me will not necessarily be all the right solutions for you in your situation. That's why I will be seeking out a broad range of strategies and resources to make these easily available to help you with the challenges you are facing. I will be talking to women who have come out the other side of an abusive relationship like me. Each of us has a story to tell and my aim is to provide a platform for women to share their stories in the hope that this will help other women to bring clarity to what they need to do to stay safe and to regain control over their lives. I will also do episodes like this one where I talk about the many aspects of abusive relationships. I'm not here to tell you that you have to leave. I just want to be your support. I want to give you this beautiful community of women that might be going through what you're going through. I want to give you the resources, the inspiration, the confidence, the strength you need to face your challenges head on. And those of you who have left or are thinking about leaving, I have those resources for you too and the help for you to heal and thrive after the trauma that you have endured. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow. Hosted by me, Sandy J. This program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset, spells out how to spot the red flags, advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning, gives tips on how to look after you when things get tough, teaches empowerment strategies, acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on to go from surviving to rising. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I help women regain control over their lives. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in the safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured and don't forget if you need some support I am here for you. I am a life change facilitator.
you can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey, can we just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show that they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. And if you like this show, please subscribe and please share it with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining.